Hey everybody, it is Tech Chat Tuesday for Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. I'm Ken Rimple and I'm doing this from home because we actually have a series of meetings tomorrow and it's been a long weekend and uh, just come off of a conference trip. So I uh, just want to kind of do a quick opening for uh, the uh, Tech Chat and kind of go through some news items we have. Uh, and then I'm going to throw it over to myself and Drew DeCarm and Chris Burster talking about uh, Remix Run, which is the conference we attended in Salt Lake City last week. First things first, this happened a little bit uh, ago, about a little under a week ago, but uh, there was a uh, set of issues that have come up with various platforms. So security updates for Google's Chrome browser, for Android, for Zoom, and iOS uh, for some serious vulnerabilities. So if you are on Apple uh, devices, uh, there's a bunch of 15.5 and uh, also 11.6.6 Big Sur updates uh, that you want to look at. Um, uh, it's a, probably the last iOS 15-point update according to this Wired article by, who is this by? Uh, Kate O'Flaherty. Um, so make sure you update those. Uh, there uh, turns out none of these are being used in specific tax, which is good. Uh, also, they have uh, some issues that are already being used uh, in Mac OS, TVOS, and Apple Watch, of all things, uh, which apparently what's uh, code BX to hit current privileges. So uh, update all your devices. Uh, looks like Microsoft had some fun uh, with their patch Tuesday that didn't go so well. Uh, according to this, so we should probably, uh, if you have any Windows devices, check that out. Um, so, of course, if you're in an enterprise, they're going to update it for you. Uh, but if you're not, and if you're on your own computer, uh, you can uh, go ahead and get updates for all these different systems from Microsoft's Windows Update. Um, if uh, you're on Firefox, Firefox 100. So Firefox 100.0.2 uh, has a number of different uh, high severity issues. And then there's, of course, Android fixes and Chrome 102 came out as well. Um, I'll post this link uh, and we'll uh, make sure that you can uh, take a look at those at your leisure. So that's article number one. The next one, lots of stuff happened at WWDC today. Uh, so they announced a new iOS, a new Mac OS. Uh, they also have a new processor and new laptops. Okay, so first of all, iOS 16 iOS 16 uh, is having a lot of changes specifically around the lock screen, according to this IGN article here. Um, it looks a lot different. They've got little widgets on the lock screen now. Uh, and uh, for things like weather and things like that, um, you'll be able to customize. So they're looking like um, customizing font and color elements and things like that. Uh, interesting. So anyway, so that that's going on. Um, now there are focus filters uh, that go to apps, so you can have focus filters to filter out things like messages and calendar and stuff like that. Um, uh, and also you've got a number of other updates as well, so there's a bunch of stuff on this article about that. Um, I'll scroll down a little bit, watch OS 9's come out. Uh, so there's interesting things, like what your running form looks like, uh, heart rate target zones, things like that. Uh, I guess if you were someone who actually was able to survive through multi-sport workouts, like a triathlon. Well, there you go. You can train for those on your watch. Um, different watch faces and things like that. 
so lots of cool stuff. There's a nice uh, update to the calendar app. Um, apparently custom workouts are in this thing. So there's a lot of different changes for watchOS, which is great. The big announcement is the M2 chip. Uh, so the M2 chip now has 25% more GPU performance and 18% overall performance updates from M1, according to them. And look at this, up to 24 gigs of memory. So even on a MacBook Air, you can get past that 16 gig limit. So that'd be a nice little uh, laptop for developers for trips. Um, you've got uh, so six screens, you've got uh, uh, an eight core CPU and 10 core GPU um, as an option too, and nice fast memory bandwidth. So lots of good stuff. Um, uh, you know, and it looks like you can even potentially get 8K video. And there's a MacBook Air that was announced with it as well. Looks like a thinned down MacBook Pro, according to this article, uh, with an M1 uh, chip in it. And it says 18 hour battery, I believe. Now, this is also interesting. Yeah. Uh, the new MacBook Air also has MagSafe. I noticed that. That's a nice little thing. Uh, and with a new AC adapter, you'll get 80% charge in 20 minutes, which is fantastic. And it's only 1199 starters. I guess that's probably a 16 gig model. And of course, uh, they're upgrading the MacBook Pro and making an M2 processor on that as well. There's a new update to Mac OS, Mac OS 13 Ventura. Uh, and it looks like that one, the big, big update there is something called Stage Manager, kind of puts all your apps in kind of a single window mode. Uh, they're also, I believe, doing this in iOS uh, as well. Uh, so basically, you have like a single window move that, uh, mode that kind of moves things off to the left, so you can kind of see all the things you've been working on newest first. Um, and there's a bunch of uh, app improvements. Um, looks like Metal 3, which is a gamer update for upscaling low resolution uh, using AI. So you can basically get faster games because you have a lower resolution, but they're upscaled. Uh, and you can increase the frame rate so it'll look good. Um, and so this is kind of interesting. All right, iPad OS 16 also center stage. That's kind of what it looks like there, um, where you've got your current app one working on constantly behind it. Um, fair, uh, a fair number of things as well. So you get the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, you'll get the new reference color mode. Um, and uh, there's a display zoom uh, that lets, lets you boost your pixel density, all sorts of good stuff in here. Uh, and apparently now we get a weather app for iOS 16, which is, I guess, big news because we didn't have one um, for, for the iPad. We had it for the for the phone, but it never really uh, had the official one for the iPad. So that's fine. So anyway, that's the stuff happening at WWDC. There is something I'm keeping my eye on, which is, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll post about it if I find something useful. There's a whole discussion tomorrow. It's being released from WWDC that you can watch talking about um, virtualization of Mac and other platforms using uh, virtualization, uh, I think it's called Manager, uh, which is part of the uh, part of the SDK, part of the Apple's SDKs. So we'll see what that looks like and I'll post about that when I find more out, but that's coming out tomorrow, that talk. Um, there's an interesting article on developer burnout uh, on codesubmit.io by Nicole Cow. Um, talking about different techniques um, to fight burnout, why it happens, um, how you can combat it. Um, if you're a manager looking out for your team, 
Um, so this looks really interesting. I haven't really digested it enough yet, but gave it a quick pass. Uh, it even talks about like, you know, people dealing with pandemic issues and people who maybe maybe hit COVID uh, or parents that are dealing with lots of kid issues, especially if you've got kids in school and they've gone through pandemic issues. Um, it's just rough. Um, anyway, so a lot of interesting stuff here if you're dealing with burnout. They even go through, for example, the different stages of burnout. Um, uh, and so some food for thought for people if you're kind of feeling a little wiped out and wondering what options there are to help you out, there's a nice article. Also uh, found this just before I did this tonight, uh, Python 3.11 performance benchmarks. So Python 3.11 is the next release upcoming. Um, they're, they've got some really nice performance increases over previous versions. So for example, what they're seeing here is, and I'll quote this from the article, which is written by Michael Larabelle on pharonics.com. It says, uh, in big support tasks in AIO, fine-grained locations and tracks, uh, self-typed returning instance of a class, and other features. Um, it says, besides affecting Python language itself, it's been landing performance work from the faster Cython project to speed up the reference implementation. This is the cool part of this. They say it's 10 to 60% faster than Python 3.10 and a 1.22 time speed up with a standard benchmark speed. So a sweet. So you're going to get better performance by going to Python 3.11. Uh, and that's coming out sometime around October. So keep an eye for that if you're a Python developer. There's a uh, Nice little performance bumps coming if you get to Python 3.11. Okay, last I'm just going to put this up on the screen. Uh, the Remix framework. So uh, myself, uh, Drew DeCarm, and um, Chris Burster, we all went out uh, to Salt Lake City to the Remix conference, uh, Remix Run conference, uh, and they held that for uh, two days last week, a day of workshops, and then a day on the framework itself, like talks and such. Uh, and it was really interesting. Um, what we did was we recorded ourselves a little video uh, where we discussed the conference, everything we talked about, what we were looking for, what we got out of it, uh, and what we thought about where everything was. So if you don't know anything about Remix, Remix is a meta framework on top of React, and it lets you do things like server-side rendering and um, parallel rendering of uh, nested routes. Uh, and it's really, really optimized for uh, developer uh, experience. So, for example, if you're writing code and you're building server-side code that runs React, uh, you'll get things like the Fetch API and the Web Form API. So you're looking for form data, just like you would in a browser. You can pull your forms in and validate them on the server-side using the same APIs that you would use on the web. It's got so many nice features. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw over to us uh, talking on Friday of last week uh, to discuss Remix Run, and uh, hopefully this is useful for you. And we'll see you in a couple weeks with the rest of our summer's uh, tech chats. Also, I think we're going to move over to Thursdays. So more about that on the Twitter feed at TechCast uh, and at Chariot Solution. All right. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, we have the Remix Run Chariot team here. We went to the conference uh, last week in Salt Lake City. Um, Chris Burster, Drew DeCarm, and me, Ken Rimple. Um, so I wanted to do this just because, you know, it was an interesting conference, and I think it's a, it's a newer technology with a new conference itself around it. I mean, it was only open sourced in uh, 
what was it october of last year right yeah it hasn't been long no so so i, I wanted to kind of get us together and just chat chat a little bit about what we've learned and um so why don't we start off just by talking about like before you went to the remix run conference what did you know about it and what did you want to know going into the conference so i can start if you want so i knew you know, I knew like the 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 server side rendering from Remix. I'd done a, a talk at Chariot uh, for ETE, and then one for Philly Tech Week around Remix, comparing it to Next.js, and I focused mostly on the server side stuff. Um, but I didn't really know the developer experience uh, or the patterns well enough to be anything more than a complete novice at it. Build things strike from. So what I do is get that out of it. What do you guys think, Chris? Do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. So I guess before the conference, I threw uh, the tutorial on Remix. It was the, the jokes app that Kent posted. And it was pretty much like a full stack um, uh, tutorial there. So a lot of the stuff that we did in the uh, workshop was related to it. Um, nested routes from the workshop itself. It seems like a lot of stuff changed since I did the tutor uh, tutorial as far as like imports and how to like organize the app itself. So it was um, a learning experience as well. How about you, Drew? I know yeah. that you did some work with Remix, so. Yeah, so um, I've been I've been in the process in the background building out a um, online e-commerce uh, store for sort of my own personal business that I'm creating. I won't plug it here, but um i i i come on i'm on the for new tech right so previously i think before the days of angular and react you know it seemed like there was a new way like a new rendering framework coming out or a new library right so angular then react and view right now there tends to be a lot of standardization around those technologies so you're seeing a lot more frameworks and a lot more ways of using the library than you are necessarily like actually having a, a new library per se yeah so you know Next.js came out gatsby was definitely i think one of the more one probably one of the first server-side rendering frameworks uh for for react so there's a lot of standardization standardization around react and you know remix was another um another technology that came to the um that sort of came to the forefront and they really i, I think they personally did a pretty good job of kind of rethinking the the overall developer experience for creating these apps um, so what was I looking to get out of it? I was just kind of looking to understand a little bit more, um, trying to understand the team a little bit more. Um, some of the motivations that, you know, at these conferences, they tend to talk a little bit more about the content, why they did things than that. So I was looking to understand more about that. Um, and then obviously I want to understand a little bit more about the nuance of the app, uh, of the framework, right? So every app, every framework does things a little bit differently. Um, with Next.js, you see static static renderings a really big thing. Where Remix, they're kind of pushing, they're pushing the boundaries and saying, "Hey, you know, your servers are probably going to be pretty fast. So let's try to get your content to you as fast as possible, rather than render things statically." So it's a new way of looking at an old rent or old old rent library. Um, yeah, like in job, like six months could be old, right? Two hours. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a new way of looking at it. And I want to understand a little bit more. I think it was a good conference to go to personally. I thought it was, I thought it was insightful because, you know, you have, I don't want to say that you hit a job, 
script like community but you have ken who's got a lot of who pretty much rewrote the book on testing and then you have ryan who's been out there for training for you know god knows how many years so you have some of the some of the the really big names getting together and taking a lot of their knowledge and trying to to push it further um so that, that that was really exciting to see so when you got some good backers behind it it's hard to ignore it yeah and it is like the first conference they ever did with this so like you got to give them credit that's a lot to do in a conference let's talk a bit about the workshop itself now unfortunately i flew in the morning of the workshop and missed an hour of it up front but uh there was a lot so, so not only do i look at the workshop from the way it runs during the workshop itself but what you learn coming out of it whether it's short or long term and I did feel like there was a lot of really good stuff in there, like a lot of discussions about the mechanics and strategies uh, for handling things, like whether you're doing, you know, the one thing I didn't realize that was really useful was the inline form mechanisms versus, you know, routing to an answer through an action of a form, which I thought was pretty cool. So like the sample was really useful for me because it had a whole lot of those patterns baked into it. Um, so, you know, I just got like a good, I got a good flow of what general developer tasks would be out of that. And some of the more, I would say advanced, not obvious from the website and tutorials, unless you're really digging, it's all there for me to look at and take a look at code later. what do you guys think of the workshop? Yeah. I mean, I thought the workshop, I mean, can I go, can I go Chris? <laughs> I'm um, sorry. I should say Drew, why don't you go? <laughs> no, it's okay. So I thought the workshop was pretty good. Um, and someone had a, someone made a tweet, uh, I think at the end of the first, or at, at the end of the workshop saying that Remix makes all of the hard stuff simple and keeps all the simple stuff simple. And the, I think the kind of general theme of it, right? So perennially in any React application, the hardest thing is managing your data on the page, right? And there's a couple different ways that I've like come across doing it. First, when React came out, it was single state Redux, you know, at the top of the application. So that managed your state across the page. Then um, let's say that, you know, Next came out and they published a package, uh, SWR, which is a hook when, you know, React went full hooks in 17, uh, 16 and 17. And that's a way of, hey, we can call this hook and we can get um, cache data. Uh, so that was a way to not store everything at the global state. So that's hard too, because, you know, depending upon, you have to have a knowledge of what's going on on your page in order to mutate the data that's on your page. So the one of the big things that I sort of discover with Remix is that they offload all of that. So on your page, you have these concepts of, of loaders and actions. And depending upon the type of loader they have on the page, when you submit a request to the backend or you um, or you run an action, Remix automatically knows all the all the different loaders that are on your page and they refresh them. Right. So the knowledge of trying to figure out, you know, where do I need to pass my mutations? Uh, do I need to have them at a higher point in the React tree? That goes away. Redux yeah. goes away. Context pretty much goes away outside of your independent components. So. Managing that data in, in essence is, is a lot, it, it, it's done for you. And that's nice because you can focus on some of the finer points of the browser. Like you can actually focus on styling right now because, you know, first let's say that you spend two weeks on a feature and you're you're focused on making sure all the functionality works because you're making sure you're focused on syncing all the data and, and, and getting like a, you know, a reliable source of truth out of it. But now yeah. since that's all offloaded to you, you don't really have to worry about that anymore. So it's it's a matter of taking care of like accessibility, um, experience, uh, 
styles, you know, getting those things down, which are pretty much at the core of the entire user experience. So that that was probably one of the main like takeaways that that I that I saw where like that stuff is hard as hell, you know, and it's it's yeah. it's tough coming up with an architecture to manage that. And they they took all that and just do it for you. Chris, what do you think? Awesome. Anything? Any thoughts? Yeah. So um like coming to uh, the conference, um, I guess most of my work experience is on the back end, but I have built a lot of like production React apps and a remix is kind of like a, a shift for me thinking because um so I guess a lot of the applications that I've written, it uses hooks heavily, uh, like use state and use effect, use callback and all those. And a lot of like, I guess, glue code to kind of work with like, submitting data, um, a lot of like the events using like prevent default and stuff like that, that I'll need to use to do like the client side um, work for that. So with Remix, um, I thought it was like very interesting, like Drew was saying that you have these like loaders and actions that Remix knows how to work with. So loading data, um, instead of like loading data from like an API, like I'm used to an API endpoint, it's pretty much Remix is kind of like a full stack framework in that you can actually load data like directly from your database and stuff on the server side. But that server side code like never hits the browser side, which I thought was very interesting uh, looking at that aspect. Yeah, it's the the whole theme. I think was like a back to the future kind of theme. Like uh, you're you're going back into like the ways we programmed in a way in the '90s with web. Well, I shouldn't say one. The aughts, let's call it. With you know like request response, um, HP form data, standards that are built browsing used in the actions server. Right. Like I just did samples this week as I was building up some stuff from what I learned even just doing some crud stuff, I'm like, my God, this is so much more straightforward. You both said, like, you don't need a state machine. You just, you know, you build your data fetches into the loaders, you throw the loader data in, you use the hook for use loader data and it's there. And then from a validation perspective, I was playing with that for a day or two with various ways of doing it. And then uh, Drew, we were talking briefly about like just validation techniques. Like I would get server-side validation with some simple, stupid, you know, naive validators, but you had mentioned like Zog, for example. And so I think you said the creator of Zog was sitting in front of you at the conference. Is that right? Yeah, I, I had to finish out some work for That's a funny. client. I saw the guy, like he was two seats ahead of me. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, there, there were some good people at that conference for sure. Or some some people who have created some really valuable tools and useful tools. Yeah, definitely. So so point being, like you, you kind of have some options that are simpler than like, creating a client side and server side uh, shape of data to pass back and forth and serialize and deserialize and throw through. It's much more organic, I think. And that's what I really enjoyed seeing in the workshop. How about the talks that we uh, saw? So, um, you know, there were, there were a bunch of talks, a lot of shorter talks. I think hopefully next year they'll have some longer ones. Uh, they're more depth, but then conference. So it's like you're, you're assembling from a, a smaller community at first, but it was a pretty, engaged community which is really great um so uh i can i can say a few things so i did like um john jensen's incremental remix talk uh it's a netflix guy uh and i think he was talking about a prior place he worked too but he was basically talking through some strategies uh for you know going from a straight complete you know client-side re react app installing remix and slowly moving endpoints over to it i thought that was really useful 
Um, what about you guys? Are there specific talks? I have a couple others, but the one I, I don't want to talk through all of mine first because some of them might be yours. So, yeah, Chris, uh, Chris was... do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was going to say that one of the tops that I can think of is like the incremental remix as well. Um, getting that team or management uh, buy in is really important. And also having to look at, I guess, your overall strategy and like how to in implement that is uh, very useful. And trying to introduce these new like third party pools. How much drew any, any of the ones that, that, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the softball here. Um, Ryan Dahl's talk was awesome. Ryan it, honestly, it looked like he just got off the plane and he just rolled up and he had like his backpack on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so casually gave like a really poignant talk, but he kind of gave like this talk about Dino deploy, deploying like a remix on application on Dino deploy. But then he kind of he talked a little bit about how Remix changed how things were deployed on. It's almost like deployment agnostic, not necessarily, but they have to have a specific runtime for it. But you can deploy Remix on Netlify, and you can deploy Remix on Dino Deploy, uh, Cloudflare Pages, which are all serverless, um, which is just sort of like this abstraction over Cloudflare workers. Um, so you can deploy, you can build Remix and deploy it on these browser-based runtimes that aren't necessarily like node runtimes and they aren't necessarily like, they're, they're basically like some sort of derivation of a, of a JavaScript runtime. And you can deploy it kind of anywhere you want. Um, it could be at the edge, it could be on a node server, um, so on and so forth. But it was really interesting. Ryan kind of challenged with the end and that, yeah, there might eventually be native runtime support for Remix, you know? So that's kind of right. he talked about his dream stack right what is my dream stack and obviously his dream stack is well beyond like i knew like half the things he talked about um, <laughs> yeah but he um he really kind of challenged the team that hey you know can we take this one step further and can we add native support in these runtimes for uh remix and that's how i mean the the speed that ryan was talking about is like a tenth of a second and you know, he showed not even not even text like milliseconds absolute milliseconds and he's like we can get absolute faster with this stuff and that that was kind of the challenge so i thought um i thought ryan's talk or uh, yeah ryan's talk was awesome um i'm just going through just discussing now uh yeah the re remix one with uh rust was pretty compelling um i wish there was more time for that i really do um but that that was that was very. T I know nothing about Rust, but um, that was pretty compelling. It's like the new hotness right now. Everyone's talking about Rust, right? I build tools in Rust and things like that. Like, is it yeah. is it Next.js that has the the re replacement of their build tools Rust based now? I think that was the yes, thing. yes. It's SWC uh, speed, Speedy Web Compiler, I believe. Is that what it is? <laughs> I think that's what it's called. So um, can I go back to the Ryan Dahl one for just a second? So what I thought was interesting, and and then I'll let you go. I'll, I'll unleash you. Um, <laughs> was the post Unix future part of his talk. So his whole point was, you know, we, we started out, we were, you know, virtualizing runtimes and we ultimately got to Docker and thinner runtimes and things like that. Now serverless has really blown it apart and made it so that you can really optimize the hell out of the runtime and make it really quick to kick off things for very, very low cost. Mm -hmm. So he was showing that demo uh, at fresh.deno.dev, which uh, was kind of a hacking around framework. Um, but the, he had like in his deploy platform, Deno Deploy, which is the thing he did after Deno, he says he's got like 32 regions out there and he was able to deploy across all the regions with deploy in less than 10 seconds, yeah. which is nuts. So you're seeing so much innovation out there 
especially him being the one that created node knows all the warts of node. And in fact, if you haven't seen his talk on like what I did wrong with node, I forget the name of it, but I'll find it. And I'll post it uh, as part of this talk. Um, it's fantastic. It's a couple of years old. He's like, yeah, I know I did that. I'm sorry. This is what I'm looking at doing when I built Dino or Deno. Um, anyway, so I just thought that was really cool. And uh, he was powering it through Netlify and Superbase edge functions, I think. Um, or, or at least Deno deploy or Deno is powering those as well. So he's like building Deno into different runtimes. Anyway, go, go ahead on the rest of them. I'm sorry. And Chris, after that, if you have a couple more, if you, if you're thinking of some, I have one or two as well. Yeah. I mean, all of them were pretty compelling. I think, uh, you know, some were better than others for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I really thought Algolia did a nice job. Um, that mm. was, that was at the end. They did a nice job. Um, but yeah, those those are kind of the ones that really stand out in my head. I mean, so, some of the talks I think I would have liked to see uh, were, I guess, a little bit shorter than I thought they they probably should have been. Um, yeah. you know, but at the same point in time, like that's kind of that's kind of how things go at conferences. You know, you need to sure. you need to get you need to get like time slotted out. That, that kind of scheduling can be difficult. But Ryan Ryan's was my favorite, I think, just because it was, it was like it was so poignant and it was so like yeah. it was so concise. That I think I just really enjoyed the fact that he came in, put his thing down, made a challenge, and then kind of I think just bounced. For sure, yeah. I think you could wheel him in from anywhere, even asleep, and go, and he'd be like, "Yeah, and I'm going to talk about Deno," and I'm all of a sudden he knows everything. Well, yeah, he, go, he started. <laughs> he started his talk off saying, "Like, yeah, I usually like write these maybe like the night before, and yeah. you know, how many, how many keynotes is he given, right?" I don't want to. I don't want to claim that I've done that, but um, <laughs> yeah. I. Wing did a little more than I'd like to, but he's really yeah. good at doing it. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, so the one that I wish was longer because the guy had a lot of good information was the stalewall revalidate talk um from uh Scott Schmerchek. It was a five-minute talk. I'm like, man, I could listen to him talk for an hour about this stuff. Tell us your techniques. So I'm really hoping next year they they give some people a longer platform because there's so much knowledge in there that uh I would love to see more. For example, from that kind of thing, just looking at the different caching options, what to set, like how often do you revalidate, and how often do you do you check that kind of thing, and what it, what it does for your application. So I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, Chris, did you have anything else, or? Uh, no, that's that's it for me. Okay, okay. So then let me get back to my notes here because I just lost them on the screen. There they are. Um, how about hallway conversations with people? Um, Drew, I know you were networking with the team a little bit, which is cool. I know, Chris, you were talking to some people too. I talked to, mostly I was coding and learning, um, but I talked to the people from Prisma. I personally, I never ran into Prisma before. I looked at the tutorials and, the, and the, looked at the Blues stack. Like they have stacks you can install for people who haven't looked at Remix. There's a, there's a way of creating through NPM. You can create a platform completely configured for three different ways that they've given you patterns for. And then you can also do your own stacks. Uh, and one's called the blue stack and it has a whole bunch of deployment mechanisms and uh, you know, like everything set up for it, but it used Prisma for the schema management um, for writing and maintaining code, kind of like migration. It is a migrations tool. Um, and I've, I've worked with a lot of other migrations tools that I thought Prisma is pretty darn good. So I was talking to that team and I know that um, early on I ran into Prisma, they were a GraphQL company. Uh, they were um, Graphicool, I think was Graphical, the name of the company. Yeah. Yeah. cool and they then pivoted because they saw that like the power was really in this migrations framework in prisma so 
um, I had a nice conversation with the guy that was running sales for them and just got a good feel about the organization. I think they're definitely just quite well. Um, anything notable from the hallway conversation you guys got? Drew, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um, I I actually got the chance to talk to Kent uh, Kent Dodds. and Kent and Dodds, yeah. Bit, yeah. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting is I, as I was going through my remix explorations as I'm starting to build out this online store, um, I'm using Medusa, Medusa Commerce. So you know, shout out to the Medusa team. They're doing an awesome job. But uh, I ha I'm, I'm a TypeScript fanatic. I love TypeScript. I think that goes along the line of what, you know, Kent and Ryan are, are really stressing too, that TypeScript is a huge help. But when it stinks, you can just ignore it. Um, one of the conventions that you're starting to see is like, I think it was started with Next, where you can have these you know, various named exports inside of a specific directory, you know, get static props, get, uh, get server-side props. Now with Remix, it's uh, Action, Loader, so on and so forth. Um, that it was interesting because Kent, as I was like going through this, I found something about Kent um, who posted on the TypeScript, uh, the TypeScript issue saying that, is there any support or is there any future support for typing out an entire ES module uh, rather than just typing a specific function? And I thought that was interesting because ostensibly what that does is it allows you to say, I want this file or this module to be typed a certain way. And it's going to require you to export certain um, to export certain functions that are going to be already typed. So you could say that this is going to be a remix module right and then when you export a specific function it's already going to support typing for that where you don't have to um import the specific types around like an action like a remix i, I don't know what the actual type is called but like yeah. a remix action or a remix loader uh, so on and so forth so um i talked to ken i was like ken i saw that that that's awesome i was looking for the same support um has there been traction in that and he said no there hasn't so um, in so many words, the, the issue has kind of gotten ignored, but he was telling me people from the next team, uh, people from the Gatsby team, pretty much everyone, every framework around React is, um, who uses TypeScript is looking for that kind of support. So that, that I thought was really interesting too. Um, and, you know, I also talked to Ken a little bit about like his, his role in the project. And, um, you know, a lot of the mechanisms have just been this really collaborative effort uh, between uh, Michael and, and Ryan, but Ken has kind of come in and really put his touch on the developer experience part of it, right? He's putting his UI UX on the DX, if you will. You know, he's <laughs> really come in to, to be Ryan and and Michael's sounding board on what's an acceptable way of doing things, you know, and, and I think Kent has a really good pulse on yeah, on he does. the a really good finger on kind of what what the community's expecting. I mean, the guy rewrote the book on on testing and and the virtual DOM testing, so that that's that's awesome right there. So, you know, it was really good to just get a quick understanding of of you know the level that his involvement was at, as well as like you know what. Let's push the TypeScript team to to make you know module typing is because that that ultimately is going to make the developer experience that much better in these frameworks, right? So you can you can really enforce your conventions rather than having people import five or six types and kind of enforce your conventions. So that that was pretty cool. Chris, what about you? Did you have uh, any interesting hallway conversations with people? Um, yeah. So um, uh, the guy uh, Scott, he did. The, uh, the caching talk. It was only like a five minute talk, but actually during the lunch hour, um, 
uh, we were able to get more info from them just from, I guess they did their rewrite of their website in Remix and they were able to use like caching like to their advantage. Um, I think one of the things that they cached was like the, the locations of the, I guess his companies, the, the uh, disc golf um, locations uh, website. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I thought it was really cool that they were able to like shave off like 10 or like 20 seconds just from like caching those locations and stuff. Yeah. Shout out to him. You disc is the company name. That was a, that was a really cool lunch that we had when we were talking to those guys. Uh, yeah, we lunch them. Wasn't that cool? Yeah. Three, three more disc fanatic people that I've ever met. Like they, they love disc golf. <laughs> That's true. Rap was pretty intense too. It went pretty deep. Yeah, it awesome. and it was nice and su- it was nice and quick too. I really yeah. liked yeah, it. It fired up. Cool. Okay. And then how about um, any hacking around with Remix? So I know I spent time. Um, I have a little bit more time lately, uh, just because of the, the schedule and what I'm working on to, to build some, some code. But I found that being on the plane and hacking around was really helpful too. Um, you know, I certainly was able to do a lot more with it once I went to the conference and saw more details than I could have done beforehand, just because I had a nice centering based on the talk. But, uh, anybody have any reflections on that? And it's a very vague question. So oh, I have answers. <laughs> it's a call of my list. That's like, you know, yeah. uh, for me, um, there's, um, like a, it made me, uh, realize that like, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that I need to, that there's a lot of stuff that's built into like the browser APIs that I didn't know about, like a link, like for a link, you can prefetch, um, I guess the route itself, which I thought was pretty interesting. I didn't know that before Remix. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And um, I guess as far as a layout of a Remix app, uh, something that I've noticed, and it looks like it's intentional. Like um, there's like an underscore folders in there, like underscore app and some other stuff, which I haven't really found like in the documentation why exactly that is, but um, definitely something that I'm still learning as well. Yeah, they're hidden. They're basically hidden from the path, but they're part of the structure, which is kind of nice. So you can physically organize things and not have them contribute to the path so much in the routes, which is really neat. I was, I just yeah. happened to have used that in my sample that I was doing. So pretty cool. It's an stuff. Interesting convention around like very, very strict uh, pages architecture, nested routing architecture. It allows you to that whole yeah. thing is amazing, right? I mean, just the fact that. The way they've broken it up, so in the paths, each of them are components that can contain the other components in a template fashion, like outlets, and they all can load in parallel if the data can load in parallel. That is really cool stuff. So they have a they have an issue out right now, or not an issue, mm. uh, conversation enhancement. Right? Yeah, I guess I guess that's what I don't know what it's called in GitHub. It's called something, mm-hmm. um, but it's essentially around let's create a specification on flat based file routing. So coming up more with conventions and the main, the main issue here was I have all these nested routes and I have a lot of logic now contained inside of these nested routes, but mm-hmm. what's my, what's my page structure? How can I get an overview of like what all my pages are? Um, and that was, that's a main driver behind creating what they're calling. Uh, I think it's like an RFC or something. They're calling like f- flat based file routing. 
So the names of the directories are going to be the convention on how the um, application um, determines what pages are where. That way, you open up your routes directory, or in Next.js, it's your pages directory. You can see all of your pages at every, at every level of nesting, right? So I think they're kicking that idea around right now. And that's That was been my major beef too it's like there's these specific conventions of like underscore underscore app and then settings and then settings index i'm like well you know that's that's awesome but to someone coming into like a project not really understanding sort of the nuances yeah. of file-based routing and you know how react how remix interprets that for the react router it can be a little like unwieldy so i think they got a lot of cool stuff coming up in the pipeline too yeah, and I think they'll be with Kent on board. I think that they'll be continually improving the docs, and like like we had talked about the developer experience, and like just t teaching people how that works with more samples and and better clarification. I think will be good over time. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in a year as this thing is rolling forward. Um, you know, yeah. So like forward. when I was when I was hacking around with it, um, hacking around with it, actually building a production grade like sure. yeah. app. I've gone, and Ken, I've been telling you this, I've been, I've gone all in on Cloudflare. So all my image hosting is done through Cloudflare images. All my uh, Remix hosting is done through Cloudflare pages. Um, what else have I done? I've, I've released a couple of, I'm actually developing an API that's proxying through the back end on Cloudflare workers, right? Because I need, mm. I need to be, I need to be able to access my API through, not just through my Remix app, but through other means, right? Through either through Postman or through like um, other workers um, I've used. I meant to talk to the Prisma team about this, but I've been using the Prisma data proxy to be able to manage the the connections in between the database and the serverless workers too inside of uh, inside of Cloudflare workers too. So I've gone all in on Cloudflare, and the support for it's just un, unmatched. It's awesome. It's so easy to deploy. It's so ungodly fast. Um, there's no latency whatsoever. It, it, it's just it's just super fast. Um, and then like I mentioned this earlier before that. The, the biggest pain point is, all right, I did it. I did something like I mutated some data. What does the screen look like after you mutate that data? And you can go through, um, you know, your React tree at certain varying levels uh, in like a Next app or a Gatsby app or just a regular Create React app. Um, and you can do all that stuff. And then you can realize, crap, like I need to find some way to be able to pass this function or access this function deep in the React tree that mutates my page. With Remix, I actually spent a good half an hour looking around for this convention, only to realize that they just do it out of the box for you. So it was <laughs> it was like this revelation. I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to do that. I don't have to like just handle. That. Yeah, refresh my page like imperatively or declaratively through like an effect or anything like like that. No, Remix just takes care of all that for you, which is so satisfying it's so yeah, nice. it's like code goes away that you have to do to manage these things with the complexity before yeah it's really great that way um yeah. it's funny can... if i saw one more talk where um they were mentioning look and it just works with javascript turned off i'm like yeah we all know by now but it was funny because before we started you wouldn't have thought about that but since it's mm -hmm. so baked into the framework to just be stable if you use their form components and actions it's just there, you know, and so by the end it was like, duh, but the thing is it's duh on that framework. What about the rest of the world? Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're, 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 they're doing an awesome job. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what else, what else comes of it. Um, there's the, the funny thing too, was none of them take themselves seriously. They are a yeah. very <laughs> laid back team. Um, 
the you know because you get to that point of notoriety where you could kind of you know think that you're you're really creating like the new framework but at multiple times during the um <laughs> during the workshop ryan took the time to just make sure everyone got back down to earth or at least brought himself back down to earth um yes. but it's really entertaining too because he's, he's very self-deprecating in his aim but um extremely knowledgeable he'll be self-deprecating and then he'll just rip through an example very very fast and we're like oh well he actually you know <laughs> he's he's no joke um humble was, and was, smart is a great thing yeah you know yeah same thing with ken like ken's like the nicest dude on the planet you know he is so he it, is. It, was, it was it was real, it was a lot of fun to network them with them you know and see kind of their demeanor on how they they present themselves and i think it really sets the tone for what they're going to accomplish in the future Anything else, like as we wrap up here, anything about like the locale, the event, uh, you know, setting at all, like Salt Lake City? Any thoughts? Chris, what do you think? I dragged you to the mountains. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it out there. Um, first time in Salt Lake City. Um, first time in Utah in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a great location. Uh, the venue was great. Um, uh, I like the surrounding area. We got to go to like Park City and uh, saw the Olympic Village. Um, really, really cool place to be. Yeah, nice setting, truly. All right. Yeah, picturesque. You know, well, I mean, the view never gets old. Getting off, getting off the plane and seeing you know so thirteen thousand foot mountains. You had you had a, a you'd lived there for a little while, so it was kind of cool yeah. to have a, a local guide to get places, which was fun too. Yeah. I'd like them to do it in the winter so I can go out and snowboard personally. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. That'd be nice. Or I can maybe break a leg. Like, yeah, like April. Yeah. You're gonna have a couple of people missing the second day because they, they came back in an ambulance instead of their car. Don't laugh. That happened at the Angular conference one year. Like really? the, the people went on a ski trip and I think a couple of people got <laughs> pretty badly hurt. They went, but they were, you know, limping. Well, that's how you control liability then. Have it in the summer. Good job, guys. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thanks so much for uh, recapping the Remix Run Conference with me. I really appreciate it. Chris Burster and Drew Dakar from Chariot Solutions. Not a problem, Ken. Thanks for having us. All right, yeah, gentlemen. Thanks. See you.